0: This is Kevin Ward. I'm the program director of the Sports Animal Radio Network in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and ESPN Tulsa. I'm also a deacon at the Park Church of Christ and serve over the sports ministry. And this is Sued Up. Well, she's recognized as one of the most influential women in sports business, having represented more professional athletes than any woman in the industry, having served as agent or contract advisor to players in every NFL draft, since 2006, as well as numerous athletes in the Major League Baseball draft and the Olympics. In 2010, she made history as the first woman to represent a top five pick in the NFL draft, and her story of progress through pain was featured as part of Motrin's National Women in Progress campaign just a couple of years ago. She was also Miss Oklahoma in 1997, but for all of her accomplishments, there was a time when Kelly Masters felt alone and not good enough until she reached out to God in a way she had never done before. I'll
1: talk with this inspiring woman after this. This is Mitch Wilburn, preaching minister at the Park Church of Christ, proud sponsor of Suit Up. I'd like to extend an invitation to you to join us for worship at the Park. We're a Bible-based church that loves the Lord and loves people. We have one service on Sunday morning at 9 a.m., and that's followed by classes for everyone from newborn to 100 years of age. The park sits on a rather large lot near the corner of Garnett and the Creek Turnpike and offers a Sunday evening service at 6 p.m. and Wednesday night we meet at 7 p.m. Our youth have their own building with multiple men and women leading them and our kids, age 1 to 5th grade, have their own educational wing that even has its own working carousel and ice cream parlor. And I love both. Kevin the host of this podcast is in charge of our sports ministry that goes on all year round with basketball, volleyball, softball, great activities. So come see us at the park on the corner of Garnet and the Creek Turnpike or check us out on the web at parkplaza.org.
0: Let's start first off with what you're doing right now and then we'll we'll back a little bit and and go into, you know, when you were uh, raised in Midwest City and some of your childhood, but um, I know when we talked a, a minute ago uh, off-air here that you are in Washington, D.C. You've got players there that you need to visit. There are other things that you're doing as well for company. But you, you mentioned when I said, are you there for fun? And you said, well, don't get to do a lot of traveling for fun much anymore. <laughs> that that fun is actually at home.
2: Me at home, yes. <laughs> Most definitely. It's it's funny how the first few years of my of you know having a grown-up job, I I was working towards becoming a partner in a law firm, and I remember during those long days, kind of looking out the window occasionally and thinking, "I wonder what it's like to actually leave, you know, leave town." I, I'm, I'm always here. I never get to travel. And now it's just the opposite. I think, oh, if I could just have a week where I don't have to go anywhere, that would be (laughs) wonderful. (laughs) So it's funny what you appreciate. (laughs) But I do, I I really do enjoy the opportunities that my job allows me uh, to, you know, to have now Mm -hmm. and to see the the country and even the world and work with some pretty amazing people. So I'm very, very blessed, and I don't take even the, the work trips I don't take for granted.
0: I read an interesting article uh, from uh, USA Today from last year. In fact, from April of 2018, Lindsay Jones wrote the article, Female NFL Agents Changing the Landscape. And I thought the number was pretty overwhelming that currently, now this was last year, so maybe that number yeah. has grown a little bit, but uh, her statistic was that only 5% of the 830 certified agents are women. And obviously you are one of them how, has that number changed in the last year
2: you know interestingly the number has actually decreased um, but just and i i think some people there have been arguments made by people in the business that oh it's getting harder it's getting worse for women and I really don't think that's the case um when I first became a sports agent, uh, particularly working with n f l players, I was one of just a handful. I think there were maybe two or three of us that were even certified, uh, much less representing actual players uh in the league and it has grown substantially since then uh, every year there's a lot of turnover, there's a lot of fluctuation just in who's in the business and who's getting out and who's coming in and and so I do not think year over year, I think you're going to have to look at a much longer period of time to see any really significant trends. I do know this. There are far more women in the business now doing what I do than when I started. Uh, there are women that are representing higher draft picks, uh, starters in the league, and not just, you know, for a while I think there were um, women that represented kickers and punters and the specialists, and and that was it. But now you're seeing women really having great influence with with some of the top players in the league. And so you're seeing, I think, I don't think that it's getting harder for women. It's certainly, for me, you know, when I used to go into meetings with potential clients and their families or with general managers, I would get the strangest looks. (laughs) <laughs> and I would say they would ask, well where where's the agent?" And I would say, "Well, I'm the agent. and And I don't get that as much anymore. It still happens. Uh, but now I think there's there's not as much pushback, and there's not as much, uh, I think prejudgment about whether or not a woman can negotiate a, a contract with an NFL team and represent a player in the NFL draft. There's just that question has been taken off the table. And I'm so thankful for that. I, I wouldn't say that I you know, got into the business to be a pioneer or a trailblazer. That wasn't my intention. I didn't want to be the first to do something. I just, I found what I believed God had called me to do with my life. And the fact that I was a woman didn't really, didn't really play you know, any part of that. It was just I found what I knew in my heart and in my spirit I was supposed to be doing with my life. And uh, it just so happens to kind of have that that impact that now other women uh, are seeing that as a as something that they think God may call them to do too, and that they can excel at. And so I'm I'm thankful to see some of those sort of gender barriers coming down, um, and women having great success and great influence in kind of untraditional ways.
0: I know one of the reasons why I made the call to you was I am, uh, well, you and I are Facebook friends, and I saw a post uh, recently because you just mentioned that while you don't get it as often, there are still times when coaches <laughs> will say things that make you shudder, and that happened not too long ago. Yeah. Exactly that when a coach responded with you being the player's agent, that yeah. I didn't know he had a a, a girl, uh, for, a girl an agent, for an agent. And <laughs> I'm sure that just ran all through you.
2: <laughs> Fortunately, I think I've been through enough of those conversations, and you know, I'm I'm in my mid forties. I've been doing this for 15 years. It, things very few things surprise me anymore. They really just make me laugh. And I I remember instead of getting all offended, which I would have, you know, 10 years ago. I just kind of laughed, like, oh, bless his heart. <laughs>
1: he's,
2: he's still, you know, let's bring him to, you know, the, the modern times where women can actually do things like negotiate contracts. It's amazing. Um, and so it was, for me, it was more of like, okay, let's, you know, let's, let's let him know that women can talk about football, too, and women can understand what's going on. In sports business and it really in, in any business at any level and and uh so to me it was
0: actually kind of funny well you have represented more professional athletes than any woman in the industry having yeah. served as agent or contract advisor to players in every nfl draft since 2006 as well as numerous athletes in major league baseball and the olympics can you uh, and 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 uh, folks probably won't know this until we tell them but one of the subjects of one of my other podcasts, Tress Way, punter for the Washington Redskins, is one of your clients. Can you tell us uh, some of the other uh, uh, NFL players and maybe uh, some of those in Major League Baseball and the Olympics?
2: You bet. So, uh, football-wise, my first big kind of breakout client was Gerald McCoy. He was number three overall in 2010 for the Buccaneers, and then I've I've represented actually a lot of of Oklahoma players and Oklahoma State players over the years. Right now, one of my most recognizable players, well, Tressway, is is practically the MVP of the Redskins right now Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, as a punter. Uh, So he's obviously done well. He's going into year, he's in year six, which is so hard to believe. And then Blake Jarwin, who played at at Oklahoma State University and now is uh, a tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, would have been the starting tight end if not for a little, you know, unretirement ceremony <laughs> in the off season with Witten coming back. But Blake has taken it all in stride. He continues to get to, you know, be around and learn from one of the best to ever play the position, and uh, is taking full advantage of that. And is is really stepping up and doing quite well in, in you know, in his own right. And then kind of some up and comers in the league, David Moore. Is a receiver with the Seahawks, and uh, he is coming off of an injury that looks to have a a pretty significant breakout year, especially with Doug Baldwin no longer being um, or having retired from Seattle. So, uh, yeah, that's just a handful. I have eight players that are active roster in the NFL right now. I have a handful of free agents that I expect to be signing here over the next few weeks, and so I've got quite a quite a group of NFL players, and it's just, I'm, I am, you know, I I, I own my agency, we have a great staff, we have a baseball division, we have, um, Olympians that we work with, but I'm, I am the football, uh, agent, and so to have, you know, to be handling everything for all of those players is a, a, huge responsibility and one I, I love and take seriously. Um, we have a number of players in, that have been that have been drafted in the Major League Baseball draft. They're all in the minor leagues right now. So hopefully, we'll uh, our baseball division is fairly new. So hopefully, we'll see some of those guys getting called up over the next few years. Baseball is a long process, as you know. Uh, and in the Olympics, I've represented both uh, Winter Olympians, Summer Olympians. I uh, represented Asia Evans, who's an Olympic bob and bronze medalist, um, both in Sochi and in Pyeongchang last year. And uh, represented a, an Olympic hockey player, D.G. Marvin. And, um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Gymnasts and weightlifters. And I actually got my start doing handling appearances and endorsements for, um, for Olympic athletes from Oklahoma. And one thing led to another. And so that's kind of part of my story, becoming an agent. Although my focus is football, we have branched out into, into other sports. which has been so much fun.
0: So how many miles do you log? A year in travel.
2: <laughs> I just know that I, um, I'm whatever the super duper status is for Southwest Airlines. I'm I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> that has definitely been my uh, my transportation of choice. Although I'm known to jump in my car and just drive to places like Atlanta and Nashville, and of course Dallas and Houston. But I, yes, I travel. Um, goodness, I think easily fifty or sixty trips
0: a year, if not more. Wow. I picked up early in this conversation when you were talking about becoming an agent and following where the Spirit was directing you, and obviously that's part of the reason for having you on this podcast is to talk about your faith and how it has developed over the years. And uh, I know you grew up in Midwest City. I guess you were uh, somewhere in the early 90s graduate from Midwest City High School?
2: Yes, 1991, Bomber graduate. So, and, uh, Very proud of my Bomber roots.
0: So were you born in Midwest City?
2: I was actually born in Oklahoma City. My dad had been in the Air Force, so he was stationed at Tinker and went to OCU Law School. My mom was a teacher in Midwest City, taught second grade. And uh, so we uh, st- I started out early in life, Oklahoma City and Midwest City. We moved back for a number of years to Tahlequah, which is where... The Masters family is from, and then moved back to Midwest City right around fourth grade. And so most of my, you know, childhood and all the way through high school um, was spent in, in Midwest City. And uh, I obviously was very uh, focused at that time. Um, most people still know me as one of the twin twirlers. I was a baton twirler from the time I was five years old and competed nationally and internationally for years. And of course my dream was to become the twirler at OU. And so my, my twin sister and I were the twirlers for Midwest City High School and then went on to become the featured twirlers at OU from ninety one to ninety four. So that was a uh, quite the uh quite the dream come true for both of us. And still to this day, uh anywhere I go in Oklahoma, I'm usually remembered as one of the twirlers. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, listen. That's that's pretty cool uh, to be it's, known we, for that. There
2: could be worse things, yeah. Well, there could be worse things to be known for. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> you could have also,
0: you know, been known for being Miss Oklahoma in 1997, yeah. uh, and, and now you got the uh, female agent thing going as well. So I think you got a lot yeah. going for you. I want to go back to 1997. Because you had mentioned to me in an email that while you did grow up in a Christian home, you didn't really have a real personal relationship with Christ until 1997, which is interesting because that is also the year that you were crowned Miss Oklahoma after being Miss Oklahoma City University. So how did the two of those cross paths?
2: Well, it was, you know, I had, had, like, like you said, grown up in a Christian home, we went to church, but... It, to me, it was never I would hear people talk about personal relationships, and i it was just something that always felt like it wasn't it, it wasn't something that was necessarily you know an important part of my daily life. I didn't know how to get there. In fact, I remember thinking that I just wasn't one of the special ones that i it just wasn't available to me. I wasn't special enough or good enough. And uh, I always wondered, even though you know I went to church and I tried to be a good person. Um, there was just a disconnect, and there was a, a lot of emptiness. I grew up in a lot of fear, and I don't I don't think that's anyone else's fault. I think I just, I was, I was in so much fear of failure, um, of letting people down. I was very much a people pleaser and an achiever, very, very high-driven achiever. But you know, looking back, I see that all of it was really fear-based. It was just this constant fear of not being enough. And and not being good enough, and not being liked by everybody. And I think you know, all of us maybe still struggle with that to a certain degree of of being caught up in the opinions of others. And that just my entire value, self worth, and value was tied up in achievement. And, and in not not letting anyone down, looking perfect, all of those things. And that really became that's just the place of God in my life. It was I was trying to fill up the void in my soul with applause and with attention and um, relationships, you know, getting into relationships and and all of the things that the world seemed to have to offer. And yet, the more I achieved and the more, you know, applause and the more people like me, the more empty I felt on the inside. And I, I reached a point where I had... Re, you know, realized all of my goals. I had had checked off one at a time all of my lifelong goals. I found myself with this great resume and this great, you know, list of accomplishments, but absolutely no sense of self worth, and just so empty. and And at the same time, so afraid that you know people would, at some point, I would everything would come crashing down, and people would realize that I really wasn't that great, and I wasn't smart, and I wasn't pretty, and I wasn't. You know, any of the things that I felt like I'd pretended to be my whole life, and uh, and I just reached that point where I was just tired. I was miserable. I was empty. Nothing that I was trying to achieve was was filling up the the need in my soul. And I do remember at one point I was in law school, and uh, I, you know, I had been so busy my whole life. I, I started being busy when I was seven years old. <laughs> I remember carrying a planner when I was seven because I had so many activities and so many <laughs> you know, practices and games, and um, I had been so busy that I finally actually slowed down when I got to law school because all I had time for was law school. And so I had, had during law school, I had had sought out ways to, to find scholarship money, and that led me to doing Miss Oklahoma preliminary pageant. And it was in those moments when I was focusing on law school and getting ready for the pageant um, that really I finally came to this place where I was—I was again, like I mentioned—I was just tired. I was tired of of trying to perform and be on stage all the time and not and still being so empty, even with you know all the attention and all the accomplishments. <laughs> it's miserable. And I reached that point where I remember just looking up at the sky and going, God, I need to know if you're real. I need to know if there's more to this. I need to know that there's more to life than just trying to be a good person, you know, going to church and trying to, you know, look perfect. I I just, I need to know if there's more. And I remember just crying out to him, and I remember a specific Um, evening when I walked into my apartment and just crashed to my knees and said, I just, I cannot take another step unless I know God is real. And I know that I am, um, that I have meaning and my life has meaning beyond what I've experienced so far. You know, I, I just wanted to know that there was more to life. And I wanted to know that the God I read about that, you know, in the Bible, he talked to people and he touched people, he healed people. And, um he was so real and i wanted to know that he was real and that he could i could truly connect with that and in that moment when i just cried out i didn't even know exactly how to pray but i just said god i want you to be real to me i want to know you and it's amazing that when you cry out he shows up mm-hmm. <laughs> and he filled my heart um, i think for the first time with, with love that i had never felt before and from sorry, I'm going on and on, but from that moment forward, I was so filled with a desire to pour out my love to him and find out what he wanted me to do with my life and just do that and just please him. That changed everything for me, and it was a moment when I I know I, I gave my life fully to him. Not that I became perfect at all, you know. Life became even harder, but I had purpose, and I knew that God loved me, and that I had finally connected and found that that one relationship and that one thing that was going to fill up my soul
0: do you find yourself at times or have you found since then kind of slipping back maybe uh, to that dark place and if you do what do you do to make sure you don't plunge any further
2: it's funny because it's god has i think he does this for all of us he kind of gives us those those moments in our lives those benchmarks that keep us anchored and to me, it really is pressing in and going, God, I, I want to know I can hear your voice. And then knowing that I could, not that he was going to boom out in an audible voice, but in my heart and as I read the word, um, I knew I could tap into hearing him tell me, you know, you're my child. You are, I love you. I'm, you know, I am, I, I, I have a hope in a future for you. I knew I could hear his voice. Mm-hmm. And I go back—my soul is anchored in that moment when I realized, when I really—I believe it was revelation to me that God revealed His voice and His heart to me, and I go back to that moment all the time. And so I start to—if I start to get into—if I start to drift into a place where I'm frustrated by circumstances, I'm frustrated with things not happening the way that I think they should be, or I'm trying to make something happen and it's not working— I go back to, um, am I doing this in my own, you know, with with my own understanding? Am I doing this? Am I trying to make things happen? Am I focused on my circumstances? Am I focused on who God is and what He's doing in me? And if I shift my focus back in that moment to not looking at my circumstances, but looking at Jesus and looking at the Word and looking at, okay, God, what is your will? In this, in this situation, and what do you say about me and my life? Not what the circumstances look like, but what does God say? I can always kind of go back to that anchor of, um, of true faith. And, and faith comes from hearing, and hearing from the Word of God. And when we get in the Word of God and we spend time with Him, we hear Him. And that's what, to me, I can't imagine going through life. And you know, I remember what life was like before I knew I could could tap in and, and connect with God and hear His voice in my heart. I remember that life, and I never want to go back there. And if I find myself drifting back to that, I I course correct very quickly and <laughs> say, okay, I'm <laughs> going to get back in the Word, I'm going to get back in prayer, and really seeking out what does God want in this situation, what does God want from me. And that that is always the answer. God always is the solution. He's not the problem.
0: Well, it sounds like you're living out Romans 12, And one that you're presenting yourself as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God and to realize Kelly that you have like you have that none of this is possible without him and that you're constantly giving him the glory uh, for uh, all of your accomplishments is is awesome and I I hope that that's a lesson that a lot of our listeners to this podcast will get out of this and I certainly will take it as a lesson me and speaking of lessons i know amongst a lot of the things that you do you also serve as an adjunct professor at oklahoma city university and also at my alma mater at oklahoma christian university yeah, yeah teaching what sports law
2: i do i teach sports law and just love it uh, we never run out of things to talk about so <laughs> it's been a lot of fun uh really it's funny i grew up wanting to be um you know my mom was a teacher my dad was a lawyer i wanted to be a lawyer and a teacher which I found out I couldn't do, but I couldn't do both. But now I kind of do. I am a lawyer and I am a teacher, so <laughs> um, it's funny how how God takes even the little dreams in your heart when you're when you're young and brings them to pass. But yeah, I, I love pouring into my my students and sharing, giving them kind of an inside look into my life as a sports agent and as an attorney that deals with issues that they're hearing about on the news and they're reading about on Twitter. And I'm also, you know, obviously a one McChristian. Christian, I'm getting to also share those with a Christian worldview. So we have some great conversations about the things that we see happening in the sports world.
0: All right. And I got to ask you if you've seen the movie Jerry Maguire, how, how <laughs> no, close to I've real life <laughs> was Jerry Maguire uh, as a sports agent in that movie?
2: You know what's interesting? That movie came out while I was in law school, and I remember a lot of my classmates in law school immediately deciding they wanted to be Jerry Maguire. They wanted to show me the money, and they wanted to go do that. And I don't remember being inspired by that movie (laughs) to go become a sports agent. That just is not a world that I saw myself in. And it's so ironic that that's that's exactly where I am now. And it's funny, I have a hard time watching that movie because, even though it's sensational and it's not necessarily true to life, there are elements of that movie that are so familiar to me now. Um, I talk about getting Bob sugared all the time, where you, <laughs> you lose out to someone that's trying to undermine you, and and it happens so frequently in this business. And so a lot of it makes makes that movie really, really hard to watch. But the, the element that I love is the relationship that they end up developing, uh, that Jerry ends up developing with his clients and the family and, how you hurt when they hurt, and how you, you know, you, you cry with them and you laugh with them and you fight for them. And and in that aspect, goodness, I love what I do. And I'm so thankful that God called me to a career that I wouldn't have chosen for myself.
0: Now, Kelly, I got to ask you to let the listener know uh, all the various ways they can keep up with you because you you have a lot of different avenues Besides Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, <laughs> yeah. there are many ways. So if you don't mind, let, let the listener know how uh, they can follow uh, Kelly Masters.
2: You bet. Well, I, as you mentioned, I'm on Twitter all the time. Uh, that kind of seems to be the, the place for sports news and sports business where everything happens, at least right now. Something else I'm sure will replace it. But on Twitter, I am at KMM Sports. Uh, on Instagram, I am at Kelly Masters, K-E-L-L-I. Masters, and we just launched KMM Sports uh, on Instagram as well. So you can find both me individually and KMM Sports on Instagram. And then my website for speaking and teaching and other resources is just kellymasters.com.
0: And if somebody wants to get an inspired speaker, we gave them a taste of that on this podcast, but I know that you're much sought after uh, to speak on a lot of of, uh, topics now, do you have a book out, or or will there be one coming out?
2: Coming out. It is, it's in the works right now. My first uh, manuscript deadline was September 15th, so that just got turned in. I've got uh, the rest of the manuscript is due in a couple of months, and we're looking at a launch, actually, Super Bowl week of 2021, which sounds like a long time away, but it's going to be here before we know it. So, uh, yeah, look for my book. It'll be coming out in Uh, early 2021
0: very good well kelly thank you so much for your time and uh, i look forward to visiting with you again uh, down the road and uh, maybe we'll do a a refresh on the podcast in a year or so
2: would love that thank you so
0: much thank you for listening to this podcast featuring kelly masters please don't forget to download other episodes of suit up and please give us a five-star
1: rating